BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to my weekly podcast, Taste of Taylor. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. I'm nervous right now, which I never get nervous because I actually have somebody very important and special on the show today. He is a Harvard professor of planetary health. Also, he has a documentary coming out with National Geographic. It's called Virus Hunters. It's out November 1st, 9, 8 central. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. He's an epidemiologist and an ecologist. I think I said that right. But most importantly, he is my best friend from kindergarten. Ladies and ladies, Chris Golden, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Taylor. Hey, boy. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. (laughs) Okay. So this is so fun because this, ladies and gentlemen, is Professor Golden. You can follow him there, actually, at Professor underscore Golden. But I know him as Chris Golden. We literally met when we were in kindergarten. We fell madly in love. And now um, we are both in same-sex relationships and best friends. So (laughs) we have a long history together. I've wanted Chris to come on. You guys you guys know I have a radio show. I also have this podcast. I want to do something with Chris on air for a long time. But... Honestly, but there was never a reason because he wasn't a star, but now he's a star. So he's allowed to come on the vlog. <laughs> so when Chris texted me months ago about this doc coming out, I was so excited because I was like, oh my God, now you're going to come on the podcast. And of course, we're going to talk about this amazing documentary because basically you guys are looking into how to prevent a global pandemic like a COVID-19 in the future. Correct? Am I right on that? Exactly. You're a hero. It's crazy. It's uh, it. We'll get into all of it. I've like we also like. I just want to talk to my my BFF and like tell stories from our childhood. And the thing that is so crazy is, I am so not surprised that you're here. First of all, I've been bragging about you, my friend, the Harvard professor, for like many, many, many decades now. So, how long have you been a professor at Harvard? Uh, just two years, although I've been there since 2011. So I've been bragging that you've been a professor for eight years before you were a professor. <laughs> <laughs> It's the way that they have academia set up. They make you do all of the work of a professor before actually calling you one. Okay. Well, I've been calling you one for over 10 years, so you're welcome. (laughs) Um, But 
I mean, this is just like next level. This is major. Nat Geo, and I know that you have worked with National Geographic before because I looked up your bio. You're a National Geographic Explorer and Fellow. I have no idea what that means. You're also an Explorers Club Lifetime Fellow. Is that like being a part of the Soho House? And yeah. of course, you're also a founder of this. I, I, I don't know how to say it exactly properly, but this it's like a Madagascar project that you've done since 2004. Exactly. So explain to the audience, because the audience is just like me. <laughs> we don't, we're smart enough, but this is like next level genius. So explain. Well, I'll basically your job. Just go through a whole glossary for you. And then that way we can just have all of the keywords ready for okay. our, for our conversation. Okay. Uh, so I started working with National Geographic in 2014 in more official terms. So they had given me grant money to do work in Madagascar before that. But starting in 2014, they brought me on as an explorer. And so each year they select something around seven or eight people from different parts of the world that are doing globally, globally, who are doing kind of creative, cutting edge, innovative work uh, at the intersection of kind of science, arts and exploration. And they really want people who are kind of pushing the envelope of disciplines and really trying to kind of reach new levels with their work. And so I got brought in in 2014 and have been with them ever since. More recently, uh, getting brought in as a fellow, which is kind of like the next step up from Explorer. And uh, I love working with them as an organization. They really taught me kind of how to move from my work in academia, which is focused on really, really boring science writing right to how to actually create and cultivate a story and how to create a narrative that the general public actually wants to listen to so you clearly have mastered that talent and i've been a uh, longtime listener <laughs> we're fans of each other yeah so do you brag about me as much as i brag about you I don't know how much you brag about me, but I feel like we definitely talk about you probably more than you talk about us. I don't think so. I uh, I think that's impossible. Really, <laughs> truly. Um, okay, so I am so not surprised that we're here talking about this because when we were little, so Chris and I met, let's go back in history. Yep. So we met in kindergarten, right? Or first grade? Were I our mom's friends first? That's always I, how it happens. No, I think we brought our moms together. I think we met in first grade. So we grew up in Cohasset, Massachusetts, and we met in first grade. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And um, we fell in love. I don't know how else to put it. I would like look forward to Valentine's Day so I could cut out construction paper into hearts and put glitter inside of it for you. <laughs> <laughs> how do we not know that we were both going to be in same sex relationships? Also, Chris wrote me this poem and for so many years, it was like, I love you more than applesauce and more than pumpkin pie and beep, deep, deep, deep. And it was like so cute and so clever and so amazing. And like, Chris was always the smartest kid in class. He actually taught me how to read. Remember that? Yeah. I like it's so weird the memories that you hang on to. So I would be illiterate if it weren't for Chris. And I still kind of am. And we can all, we can blame that all on Chris. So, <laughs> but. So he wrote me these poems and this, and he would put, he put one of them in like this little plastic bottle 
yeah. that you decorated with glitter and hearts and all yeah. this very arts and craftsy and very DIY before DIY was like even a term. Totally. And I felt like it was just a special poem for me. <laughs> and then years later, like I'm talking people, we are in high school at this point. I don't even know if we were even in, I would have even been in college, but like I somewhere ran across this poem and I was like, this poem sounds awfully familiar. And that's the day I realized that Chris Golden plagiarized his love to me. <laughs> And I was impressed because plagiarism really is the way to get ahead in life. Yeah. I, mean, I have to say that I never claimed it was an original. <laughs> I made an assumption. You're right. Yeah. Making, do assumptions make an asset of you and me. So really, I take that one. That one's on me. So yeah, we fell, fell, fell in love. And then we were just like thick as these. We were BFFs. We fell in love and then we just became like best friends. Do we ever smooch? I can't remember. I don't think so. I don't think we did either. What's wrong with me? <laughs> I'm so mad at myself. Same thing right that's now. wrong with me right now, because it would be a much better <laughs> story now. <laughs> and so we went from like non-sexual lovers, emotional lovers, if you will. Yeah. To just best friends. And I think it was around sixth grade. That, like our the life of like the best married couple. Yes. Or that was the cool thing to do at our age. It's so true, right? So Chris and like Chris was very he was first of all the most hilarious person on the face of the planet. Um so super smart, but also like like truly my most fun friend. Like like honestly like I've ever had to this day. Don't tell Taylor Donahue. Um and also Taylor Donahue knows like I'm like I have like I love Chris as a friend, but like I also like love love Chris. Like I have the whole plan. I'm going to get his sperms and we're going to make babies. And so it's like it was, it's like the most unconventional way of actually being like married. We are going to have a family together is what I'm trying to tell you. Are you on board with that? I, I love Taylor Donahue and could potentially be on board for this. We have to okay. we have to talk more. I know. We've actually brought it up like when we've been after a couple, you know, gin and tonics. We don't drink that. That just made that up. Um, I, I love gin and tonic, but I don't think you've ever had one. You're a you're a Sunsair fan. I am a Sunsair fan. So we have a couple drinks and then we start talking about like our future family together without our significant <laughs> others in the room. <laughs> so, but anyway, so in like seventh or eighth grade, Chris started to like really express an interest in like scuba diving. And so, you know, he was my best friend. He was kind of like my first boyfriend. So, and you know, any normal heterosexual girl you absorb the interests of your boyfriend, right? You So forget what you want, whatever he wants. So it's like, what music do you like? I like that music too. You know, what kind of clothes do you wear? I also want to wear the clothes that you're wearing. I actually did have a boyfriend that we both know, Dougie. <laughs> <laughs> and his mom worked at Old Navy. And so he would always wear sweatpants in a like in a Old Navy turtleneck and like sambas. And um, do you remember that I started dressing like him? <laughs> but except I would always have a bow in my hair. Why didn't you help me then? You know, I think that your mom had a really strong influence on your fashion decisions and you can get mad at her for them now, but it made you very individual and unique. <laughs> so I was around. Yeah. So anyway, so. Chris was like, I want to scuba dive. And I was like, I have no greater fear of anything in this world than the ocean and sharks. So like, <laughs> no, thank you. But because I adored him so much, I was like, of course, I'll take scuba diving lessons with you. So we went and we like, it was actually like classes that we had to take like after school, like far away. Our parents would drive us. 
Yeah. And then we had to do like open water practices, which was like awful because we grew up in New England. This isn't the fake scuba diving certification that you get. So you can go <laughs> like one time in Bermuda and pet a dolphin. <laughs> this was like this was like the advanced open water diver where you could be thrown into the middle of the ocean and be OK. <laughs> exactly. And so miraculously, we passed. I definitely cheated off of you, which is a dangerous thing to cheat in because truly I'm just cheating my life. You know, <laughs> it's all said and done. But anything to get to hang out with Chris. So we go scoop, we pass the test, and then he's like, great, now we're going to do this thing called people to people. We're going to be student ambassadors, and we're going to go to Australia and New Zealand, and we're going to swim in the Great Barrier Reef. And I'm like, that's where all the sharks live. <laughs> I don't want to, but I did. So we went. And we saw a shark. And we saw a shark in a cave. But I was so busy trying to get my buoyancy right because, like I said, I cheated off of Chris. So I didn't know how to scuba dive properly. And he couldn't help me once I was in the gear. (laughs) So basically, I thought there was an octopus in the cave because I'm an idiot (laughs) that cannot float properly. And um, so lucky for me, what was it? A tiger shark in that cave? It was a black tip shark. What's that? Uh, it, it wasn't like a really nasty one, but it was it was big. It was really well, big. lucky for everybody. I had no idea, <laughs> like literally none. But so but like you were just adventurous. You loved animals. You loved the world, the planet, the nature, all the things. So like when I heard that you were and I, I was not surprised. And then we actually lost touch after that trip. Was that trip the beginning of the end of our friendship? no. I think that you going to private school and getting really cool was the end of our friendship. I'm sorry. You were the one who became friends with Kate Bosworth. Okay. I left left for everybody who doesn't know this. I left Cohasset public school because I was getting Chris. I was getting tortured by the girls. I was, and there wasn't much you could do. I mean, listen, we only, we had like a class of 75, every man for himself at that point. It was like, it was, our public school was like a scary private school, actually. I, mean, I, I got it too. So I know we both there, got there, it. There wasn't much for me to do. No, I know. <laughs> I know. We, that, 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 our last year together, eighth grade, we sat at a pretty dicey lunch table. Yeah. We were all just trying to dodge getting hit with food every single day. We were all trying to get, to get by in, in whatever way we could. And now we are the most famous people out of our town. So take that, Cohasset, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> so. So basically, um, I went to private school and the second I left, and it was all girl Catholic school, I went to lesbian training camp and I'm a notes to my parents. <laughs> and basically, it was, I guess like, yeah, we kind of started to like rift that summer because you were, you were pissed I was leaving and I was like, I had to leave why don't you understand? And it just was like, it just, we were going in different directions and it got the best of us. But for me, what really put the nail in the coffin was Kate Bosworth moved to town. And literally like I was a town star. And I will say that right here, right now. I was. (laughs) (laughs) However, I, when I left, I was like, well, the star's gone. How will they survive without me? And then everyone was like, guess who's moving to town? The girl that was in the horse whisper. And I was like, who's this? Who this? And she moved to town. She was skinnier than me, prettier than me, and more famouser than me. And I thought, oh, no. And of course, because Chris is the bomb.com, she became like fast friends with him. And I was like, you know how it feels to leave a place and know you've been replaced, but for better, it's the worst. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then I remember I called you one day and I was like, oh, my God, what are you doing? 
because I've been hanging out with all my new cool friends. I get that. I've made you feel left out. I will take responsibility. And then I was like, um, but then I missed you, you know, because I because like all the shiny new toys. I was like, they're not as fun as Chris. No one's as fun as Chris. So I was like, what are you doing? He's like, this is going to date us. This is going to age us. I'm, I'm going to watch uh, Dawson's Creek. And I was like, oh, <laughs> can I come over? And you were like, no. And I was like, well, who are you watching with? You were like, my new friend, Kate Bosworth. And I was like, I'm dead. I'm dead. And that was it. We didn't talk. This never happened. <laughs> What's your version? This is a made up story for the podcast. <laughs> like, you know what though? It's actually in my mind, it's the truth, but I'm pretty sure I made it up. Yeah, you tell you your did. side of the story. <laughs> you 100% made this up, but I love how demented you are. Uh, <laughs> the real story is that, yes, we would definitely have Wednesday night watches, but I don't think that I can't remember we ever speaking about this. I think you probably heard about this secondhand and got pissed. That's totally fair. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds way more accurate than my version. Wow. I'm really an unreliable source. I will also ask you the question that if getting replaced by someone better really hurts, have you ever thought about asking Chad how it feels to have been replaced by someone better? Taylor Donahue? Um, no, because he doesn't speak to me anymore. <laughs> 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 so then you and I fell out of touch but like I even remember we didn't really have contact in high school which is like the biggest shame I yeah. so should have been your prom date and you so should have been mine but like you were you actually got to a point where I in my perspective you were thriving in high school you were very popular very smart and you were Harvard bound that was without a doubt and I was also doing well I was like doing drugs and drinking with my friends like I was popular for all the wrong reasons <laughs> Yeah. And then I barely got into Ithaca. <laughs> I feel like you were super popular in high school. I was not. And That's a, for real? Yeah. Oh my God. This is like so interesting. We've never really yeah. had this conversation before. And I think that we both probably missed each other, but it was something that was kind of like out of sight, out of mind for me at that Same. point. And uh, definitely very happy that we reconnected. This episode of Taste of Taylor is brought to you by Beast Brands, makers of premium organic hair and body wash, lotions, and skincare products. Honestly, Beast is changing the game for me. First things first, they're incredibly eco-friendly and you can feel good about using their products because they're doing good for the world. So they're organic, vegan, cruelty-free, made in the USA. That's what I'm talking about. But they're also made with premium ingredients that smell incredible and make your skin feel so, so, so good. So I am completely obsessed with their wash for everyone. It is my favorite thing. Like I actually like showering now. I know that makes me sound gross and dirty that I didn't like showering before, but there's just so many products and so many steps and I'm so lazy. And also, I don't know if you're like me, but like in the shower, there's like no distraction. So I just ruminate with my thoughts and that's a scary, dangerous place for me to be. So Wash for Everyone has changed my life because it's a head to toe liquid soap that can replace your shampoo, your body wash and wait for it, your facial cleanser. I know you're like, no, bitch. There, no, in no world can one thing do it all. I'm telling you, I was a Tris snob just like you, and I felt the same way until I tried their products, and it's no joke, okay? So it's formulated for sensitive skin, which I have, and it has this light citrusy scent, very crisp, um, and it's fantastic. I can't believe it can do everything all over my body. It makes my hair so shiny and soft, great shampoo. Then I move right to my face with a, with a new pump, and I'm like, my skin has been glowing, and then I go to my pits and my privates. One two, six. I used to spend forever in the shower and now I'm out in a jiff. Yes, I said jiffy. 
I love the way it smells. I love the way it feels. I love the way it washes off my body. I love the way it washes out of my hair. And I love that it covers all of my bases in one bottle. Speaking of which, you have to pair it with the Beast bottle. Okay, I'm telling you, it's a must. It's an aluminum pump bottle that holds a six-month supply of any Beast all-in-one body washes. And because it's made from aluminum, it'll last you. You got it forever, which guess what? It can cut down not only on plastic waste, which is good for the environment, but it also cuts down on you spending money. Yes, good for me, good for the world, good for us all. Plus, my shower looks super clean and minimalist because I only have this like one sleek, gorgeous bottle. Truly, I can't say enough nice things about Beast. I think that they're an awesome company. They do awesome things for the world. And it's just an awesome product. And it makes my life so much simpler. That's what we need in these times. Just simplify it for me, baby. So go to Beast.com and enter code TayTayBeast. Yeah, like my nickname, TayTay. TayTayBeast at checkout to save 20% off your next purchase. That's G-E-T-B-E-A-S-T.com and enter code T-A-Y. T-A-Y, Beast, B-E-A-S-T, at checkout to save 20% off. I'm telling you, you're going to thank me and you're going to fall in love with Beast. And now to the podcast. Do you know how much fun I could have with you at Harvard? I know. Did you play football? I did not. But you went to the games? Yeah. Oh my God. I can't believe I missed four years of Harvard through you. Damn it. Well, anyway, I remember I was at this like weird like Pilates class social thing. So weird in New York City, like years after I graduated college. And there was a girl there and I mentioned I was from Cohasset and she was like, oh my God, do you know Chris Golden? And she was this gorgeous girl and she was like, I dated him in college. And I was like, oh my God. And so like you kept like popping up in my life, like through the most random story. You've never heard the story? No. This gorgeous girl. I can't remember her name to save my life, but she was stunning and was like, yeah, I dated Kristen for a while at, at Harvard. And she also had like nothing bad to say about you, of course. So like we I ended on really good terms. Good you, I bet you were a really good boyfriend. You're going to be really good dad to our baby. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know what ex-girlfriends? You know what he really is? He's a really great surrogate husband to me. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm so competitive and so territorial over you. So we reconnected. Chris, like, when did we reconnect? Like, I remember because my mom had mentioned that. uh, She ran into my mom. She and Babette had run into each other. And uh, at the post office, probably or the dump. Like, it's like a place to meet people. (laughs) And. I remember her saying something like, oh, Taylor's coming back uh, into town soon. And I was like, I really want to get in touch with her and just like say hi. And so then I remember your mom kind of either gave us each other's cell phones or email addresses or something. And uh, we had that really fun drink in Chinatown. Yes. And it was like, literally, we hadn't spoken in, I mean, what, 15 years? Probably and like, no, yeah, more than a decade. No time, no time had passed. None. Zero. And... It's since then we've been thick as thieves. So anyway, um, I love that you're on the podcast right now. This is like beyond, beyond. So tell us about this doc that's coming out. So it's going to be, again, November 1st, 9, 8 central on National Geographic. Is it like on, on National Geographic? Yep. So it's on Nat Geo's channel. And then I'm not sure when it will be released on Disney Plus, but it will ultimately be on Disney Plus. Shut up! Yeah. That's great. I love Disney Plus, in case you couldn't tell by my enthusiasm. Like Disney and Marvel, what more do you need? It's incredible. So, okay, 
So you said you've worked with Nat Geo before, but like, how did this all come to fruition? Yeah. So it's really interesting. So, you know, I've been obsessed with Madagascar for a really long time. For his entire life. Literally. So when I was nine years old, I did an animal project and Mrs. Atkinson in third grade asked us to do an animal project on kind of the animal that we most wanted to do research on. And And yours was, can I guess? Obviously. A a lemur? (laughs) (laughs) So I remember flipping through the encyclopedia of animals, coming across the ring-tailed lemur, and don't get jealous, I know you're territorial, but totally falling in love. I'm furious, I hate all lemurs. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember just wanting to know more and more about this place, and so read everything I could get my hands on about Madagascar and started going there when I was 16. You did? And so that's I, wait, how? Like yeah, so with I your mom and dad? Yeah, researcher from Duke and convinced him that I would be a good fit for his research team. I told him I would kind of carry heavy things and clean up camp and then <sighs> went through this Earthwatch program to work with him in Madagascar and just totally fell in love with the place. And so now I've been going there every year for several months a year for the past 21 years. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Tell everybody about like your persona in Madagascar. You're like a king for real. (laughs) I'm definitely not a king in Madagascar, but the area where I work, I mean, there's very few foreigners who live and work there. And so I'm- And you speak fluent Malagasy. Highly highly recognizable. Yes. So I can speak fluent. How did you learn how to speak Malagasy? (laughs) Like what? And this, this is a thing, side note. So my little brother actually- also went to Harvard um, and he ended up enrolling in your program for Madagascar and he went. So my brother, like you taught my brother how to speak Malagasy. What? I don't even, well, how do you, how are we even friends? I am a full blown <laughs> idiot. I can't even read English. Continue. Just continue. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I kept going back just because I loved it so much there. And also this entire idea of bringing new people into this experience that was so transformational for me. Yeah. That's kind of the entire idea behind how I kind of shape and curate programs for students to get experience doing hands-on research there now. Um, And you actually have like a house in Madagascar, don't you? Yep. So I have kind of house out there, research camps. Uh, We have tons of local communities that we're working in and trying to kind of simultaneously benefit the conservation of their natural environments while at the same time improving their health, food systems, and well-being. Okay, so actually, I have a question, and I do not know the answer. How have places like Madagascar been uh, hit with COVID? Have they? Madagascar has gotten hit really, really, really? Uh, badly by COVID. And so uh, Madagascar is an island. It's fairly easy for them to kind of isolate from the rest of the world. but they That's what I was thinking. They did that. Uh, however, the president of Madagascar believed that he'd found the cure for COVID and called it COVID organics oh. and insisted that all of the students go back to school and drink a half cup of it every day. Oh, no. And this was definitely not uh, the right solution for them. And so they've been seeing kind of sharp increases in the incidence of COVID. And it's still kind of oh, no. rippling through all of their communities now. Is Donald Trump also their president? <laughs> they're, they're twins. 
Wow. Oh my God. That's that's actually I would take the president of Madagascar over Donald Trump. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, that's also very interesting to know. So then tell us about what we're going to see on Virus Hunters. Yeah. So this program is really amazing. It's kind of a, I guess the the whole reason this story came about is that when I became an explorer with National Geographic in 2014, they sent a videographer out with me to kind of film my life and research out there. And that went, uh, became a kind of public video on National Geographic's website. And it shows a lot of the work that I do of how people are hunting wild animals and wildlife for food because they are so kind of challenged and faced by malnutrition. But at the same time, as they are gaining nutritional benefits from the consumption of these wild animals, they are also facing this threat of emerging disease and virus because they are eating lemurs, primates, uh, carnivores, bats, tactics, which are like hedgehog-like animals. So uh, it it goes to show kind of the very complex underlying root causes that are leading to viral emergence in today's world. Do you think now, like in the research that you've done, is it possible to prevent like a pandemic like COVID-19 from happening in the future? I don't think that it is possible to prevent viral spillover from happening. So that's kind of the term that we use of when a disease spills over, literally, uh, from an animal species to a human. But I do think that we can sharply reduce the risk of those types of interactions occurring and also be better prepared from a kind of uh, adaptation and also intervention standpoint of what we can do once the next pandemic arises. Do most pandemics, are they derived from humans eating animals? Is that really like the like root cause? Yeah. So, I mean, that's really interesting. Almost 75% of all emerging infectious diseases are zoonotic in nature, which means that they are transferred from animals to humans. What? And so think about all of these major diseases. It's like HIV, swine flu, SARS, MERS, covid all of these diseases started in an animal reservoir and then were spilled over into human communities. I have a wicked, stupid question. I just dropped a wicked on you because I'm yeah, like so comfortable. <laughs> Do animals have COVID? Like, like, can they die from it? Like, it, it, does it does it manifest itself in their systems the way it does in ours? That's, yeah. And I think that's a really interesting question and we don't really know the answer, but there has been evidence of minks, dogs, tigers getting COVID. We don't know how it is physiologically affecting them. We know that bats, uh, there has been kind of detection of COVID in wild circulating bats. uh, And we don't really know how it's affecting them. But bats in general have this ability to kind of have circulating virus without getting these physiological consequences, which kind of allows them to be a good reservoir for transmission. Okay, so this is the type of stuff we're going to see in the doc, right? This is the exact type of stuff. So it's not obviously focused on my work. They're kind of using me to go out and see these frontline researchers who are really doing this incredible work to try to understand what are these wildlife kind of diseases that are circulating right now and can we learn about them in time to prevent the next pandemic. Gotcha. And then also, where did you trip? You had to do a lot of traveling, I remember. We did. And that was crazy during this time. So we were in Turkey. So we're in a global pandemic and you're yeah. and you're having to travel. We were in 
Turkey, and we were looking at kind of how MERS arose. So this is Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. And that was actually something that was started in bats, transmitted to camels, and then transmitted to humans. Camels. And so this is actually something that has a higher case fatality rate than COVID, but fortunately was not as transmissible as COVID. Got it. And we actually went to Liberia, and that's where we were looking at Ebola. We were in caves. We were in bat caves where they actually had uh, detected circulating Ebola virus. No. And so we were actually kind of working with the frontline workers who are actually looking at all of these bats and kind of chronicling and recording all of the various pathogens and viruses that are there so that uh, we can better understand them. And then it's... our last stop was the U.S. And so we were actually in Wisconsin and in Iowa. Huh? Um, Iowa was super interesting. It was kind of where the uh, USDA, uh, so U.S. Department of Agriculture, yeah. and kind of through funding from the Department of Defense, has been uh, raising and trying to understand domesticated animal disease and kind of ways that you can... Uh, create vaccines for domesticated animals to improve agricultural business, but then also recording the types of diseases that are there so that they can pass them over to the CDC. Mm-hmm. And then the CDC can actually plan preventative vaccines for the future emergence of potential kind of uh, domesticated animal-based viruses that could be uh, transmitted. Yikes. So things like swine flu, Uh, Once that happened, people knew that these types of issues could definitely be happening from industrial farming systems. Right. Damn. Were you scared traveling to these different countries in the middle of a global pandemic? Or did you feel like relatively safe? Yeah. I mean, I felt scared for sure at the beginning. I think that even leaving my apartment at the beginning (sighs) of the pandemic, it was like, how do I go and get groceries? Uh, So thinking about traveling was definitely a frightening prospect. But then once you're in these other countries who are facing such a lower burden of COVID because they're actually taking it seriously and putting kind of infrastructure in place to prevent the spread. So Liberia is doing better than America. Liberia has had a total of 150 cases of COVID. And because they're... fuck up government is so highly functional. They faced Ebola. They knew how serious a pandemic can be and they acted. So as soon as they knew that this was an issue at the end of January, they began putting protocols in place to make sure that this did not spread through their country. And now I'm sure they're back to business as usual, right? At this point. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the case, but they are uh, definitely better than us. Definitely living a more fear-free existence than we are right now. Damn. Um, my last question is, how do you look so hot in a hazmat suit? Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a so hard look, not, but you pull it off. <laughs> that's actually not me in the hazmat suit. Yes, it is. It is. In my sexual fantasies, it is you. Okay. <laughs> it is 100% me, and I do it because I can. <laughs> what's, what's harder to pull off? A scuba suit or a hazmat suit? Oh, I think a scuba suit is harder to pull off. You can you can hide unfortunate <laughs> kind of nearing 40 curves in a hazmat suit way better than you can in a scuba suit. Can you believe we're going to be 40? Yeah, what? so soon. Do you feel like you're even close to 40? No. In my head, I'm still really young, fun, and cool. 
<laughs> you are to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I, I just refuse to age. Refuse. But you know what does it? When you have kids, that's when you have to become an adult. So when are we having children? That's yeah. the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, you, so you are a COVID groom, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was doing Betches Brides for a while, so I got really like hip to the giant. I mean, you might know all these terminologies about epidemiology, Chris, but I know the terminologies about what it's like to be a COVID bride. And those girls are angry. Yeah. So COVID grooms, I think COVID grooms are less angry just because they're not as emotional as a COVID bride. But I mean, grooms still give a shit about their weddings. So what has your COVID wedding plan been? So we were initially supposed to get married October 11th. So last week. Yep. And we ended up going to the courthouse, getting married and just doing it, the two of us. And I love that. We're hoping to celebrate with a kind of real wedding next year. And also... For those of you who don't know, I was I was having to choose between going to Italy for Stassi's wedding or to where you're getting married. Say it again. Kansas City. Kansas City for Chris's wedding. And I had already said yes to Stassi. So now I'm selfishly hoping that the silver lining to all of this is maybe I'll be able to make it to both of your weddings. They weren't a, the exact same date, but they were close enough that getting back from Italy was going to be like near impossible to make it to your date. But you never know. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I want to be at your wedding so bad because I want, you know, I need to be there for our the child fun. one day. <laughs> And then also something that we talk about always on this podcast is Bravo and Bravo celebrities. And Chris, you are a Bravoholic, are you not? I definitely am. See, even smart people like Bravo. What's your favorite show? I feel like you have to be smart to like Bravo. Oh my God, no truer words have ever been spoken. I feel seen. Thank you very much. Yeah. Guess who doesn't watch Bravo? Taylor Donahue. Can you even? Isn't that disgusting? I don't like when you tell me stuff about her that I don't like. (laughs) So let's... But we're like, could we really, I really, I've really been talking about this with Tay. We probably shouldn't have like a real private conversation about this, but like, whatever. (laughs) Um, So, because I know we, we, when was the last time we saw each other that I asked you for your sperms? That was last Thanksgiving? This was. It must have been. Yeah. Or we didn't see each other this summer. I, we did see each other somewhere, but I asked you for your sperms last Thanksgiving. I was going to say, we just need to figure out the last time we saw each other because you ask me every time we see each other. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I suggest. <laughs> so you travel the world, literally saving human lives and the globe in general. So you're a little busy. No, right? Okay. And your husband, Zenon, is also in academia. Husband. Oh, my God. I just died. Um, the first one said that out loud. That's crazy. Isn't that amazing? I can't wait to call Tay my wife. So the thing is, and real question, and if I'm getting too personal, just tell me, shut the fuck up. But like, do you guys think that you will have kids of your own? Is that something you've discussed? We have talked about it and we don't know. And you don't know. Okay. we can, I can work with don't know. Yeah. So Taylor Donahue, my girlfriend. The door, the is, door isn't closed. Okay. So Taylor Donahue is... So selfish with children. Okay. She's the worst. So she like wants everybody to give their sperms, but she never would give her eggs. And I said, that is rude and impolite, quite frankly. That's hypocritical. That's what I said. So 
why would we just like have a two parent household? We could have a four parent household. So like, how about we raise the kids, but like you guys are like their dads, but just like you guys can come whenever you want. And we'll just like build basically a commune. Just call us Nexium for crying out loud. It's like crowdsourcing for babies. Kind of, sort of. It's like, you know what it's like? It's It takes a village. I will say that I'm not opposed to the idea. You know, it's so like you and Zen, and, are, you're married, you're the dads, Tay and Tay, we're the moms. And then the kids have like two sets of parents. It's almost like they're from a divorced family, except the opposite. I think it's fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> and you are a genius, so I guess you would know if it is genius or not. Uh, I think we're I, onto something. I, th- I think that we have to uh, to finish this offline. <laughs> That's fair. The modern family. Just think on it. No pressure. No pressure. I'm in it. We've got like a, a lot of years to think about it because I'm way too poor to have a kid right now. And that's the truth. Join the club. Another point to what I'm saying. So, you guys, uh, I know, Chris, you have to go do very important things, like save the world. (laughs) (laughs) And educate the great minds of America. For real. For real. I have to go to my butt doctor and take care of my hemorrhoids. (laughs) (laughs) And that is also very important. But it's selfish, you know. I'm not really helping anybody but myself. But maybe I'm also helping my listeners because they're sick of hearing about my hemorrhoids. And now you know I have hemorrhoids and (laughs) now there's one more person who will always look at me as blood vessels in the butthole. Okay, anyway, I think that's where we should end the podcast. (laughs) Chris, thank you so much for joining me. I love you to bits and pieces. I could stare at your face all day long. I just, I think you are the handsomest, most funnest, most smartest, most bestest person in the world. Thank you so much for having me on. I uh, am very glad I get to see you in action doing what you do best and that you're so amazing at. And uh, I love you and talk to you soon. I love you too. Well, speaking of seeing what we do in our element, I cannot wait to watch you, Chris Golden, at Professor underscore Golden. If you guys want to follow on Instagram and you should because he is a baby of Majora. Um, Watch Virus Hunters November 1st, 9, 8 Central. It's going to be on National Geographic. And uh, if, you know, for whatever reason you can't see it there, keep a lookout for it on Disney+. Plus. But you guys, just, just get the National Geographic app. Just like, don't be a jabroni. Just watch it. Um, Chris, I love you bits and pieces. You guys, that's it for us this week. Next week, we'll have another amazing guest. Until then, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, please. And thank you. The more people that review me, the cooler my podcast look. And even guess what, haters? <laughs> that helps too. So if you hate me, please comment. If you love me, definitely comment. Um, have a great one, guys. Back next week. Bye, girl. Bye. <laughs>